Hey everybody and welcome to the Week in Film Tech for the week of November 12th, 2019. This week is an all-Apple episode. We are talking about the new Apple 16-inch MacBook Pro. I literally got to play with one this morning. This is Wednesday the 12th, so this episode will be up Thursday the 13th. Apple had a press event this morning with a bunch of people, and I got to spend some time with it. So it is going to be the news, and it's going to be the gear cage. And I already have a question from a listener about it, so it's also going to be the Hey Professor. So if you are a dedicated PC person... You should probably still listen to this episode anyway, because it's going to be some interesting context from the competition. But for those of you Mac folks out there, let us talk about the 16-inch MacBook Pro. So, I got to see it this morning. I got to type with it. I, got, I have a sensation for the typing feel. We will talk about the physical body a little more when we get to Gear Cage, because Gear Cage tends to be about using an object. But let's talk a little bit about exactly what this is and why it's relevant to filmmakers. So the first thing, the context, everybody knows that the 15-inch MacBook Pro Retina is very dominant on film sets. You go to a film set, and there'll be a row of them on a fold-out table. DIT will often be using one. Producers will have them. Editors will have them. Directors will have them. You know, I really think of the MacBook Air as being something I aspire to. When I owned a production company, and we had MacBook Pros, and we had towers and everything, I owned an Air because I was like, well, I have all the power I need at uh, at the office, or it gets brought to set for me. So when you're in a nice part in your career, you get to have an Air. But for the rest of us, most of us, you know, I no longer have that production company. They're still in business, but I moved to New York. When I'm going out and I'm doing a job solo, I like to be able to download the footage myself, do a little processing myself, do a little color grading myself. I like to have the power. I've had a 15-inch MacBook uh, Pro for a, a while. Uh, I still have a 2013 because I like the NVIDIA chip. I hated the 2016 because it got rid of a lot of things I love, like the SD card slot and function keys and a bunch of other, and MagSafe. But for me, it wasn't faster enough. So I returned my 2016 in the 30-day window. I just returned it. I went ahead and got a 2018 because I was working on a project where it seemed to demand it. And honestly, the 2018 was faster than the 2013 by a significant margin. Uh, it moved over to AMD graphics processors. Apple is all AMD at the moment, and they appear to be all AMD for all time. NVIDIA is beloved by people who do heavy graphics processing, but because Apple's been all AMD all the time since at least 2014 and the 2013 MacBook Pro, Mac Pro towers were AMD, there's been a tremendous amount of development into optimizing AMD for, for our workflows. So engineers at Resolve claim they're getting just as good performance out of equivalent AMD chips as they are out of NVIDIA. And as much as we would love it, it's clear that for now... It, Apple's going to be AMD only. And honestly, that 2018 screamed. Uh, I ended up selling it after about a year because I wasn't working on projects where I needed it. And I try and either keep a Apple laptop forever or I try and sell it right before the new one comes out because as soon as the new one comes out, the old one drops in value a little bit on the resale market. So I, I cut my losses on the 2018 and kept my 2013 partially because I thought the 16 inch was coming. Now the 16 inch replaces the old 15 inch. If you go to the website right now, apple.com, there's a 13-inch MacBook Pro and a 16-inch MacBook Pro. My advice is always going to be, if you're a filmmaker, you want to buy the 16-inch MacBook Pro Retina, not the 13-inch and not the Air, because you're going to want the extra graphics power that is on offer in the bigger laptop. They have a dedicated graphics card. Uh, it's an AMD uh, Radeon card, but that's okay. All of the software, the OS 
all of the software you use is really being optimized for this card now. So the 16-inch completely replacing the 15-inch. So my official recommendation is now move from the 15-inch to the 16-inch. It's not a much bigger form factor in the body. It's like a millimeter thicker than the 15-inch, which is fine. I could have handled two millimeters thicker. I don't need it to be really thin. All I want is power. And the, the whole presentation this morning from Apple was power, 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 power. They did their research in the FAA limit. I mean, they probably already knew this. They didn't have to research it. But, you know, part of the presentation was they discovered there's a limit to the battery in a laptop. The FAA says the biggest laptop battery you can have is a 100-watt lithium-ion battery. And so it's a 100-watt lithium-ion battery. They went for the maximum battery power you could put in a laptop. They also went for a... It is a... I have three quibbles with this laptop. I'm excited about it. Probably going to buy it. I have three quibbles. One of which is still there's no SD card slot, which is like, it bumps me out because I love SD cards so much. I use them all the time. I use the slot. Whatever. I'll buy a bunch of card readers and I'll get over it. Another, there's still a touch bar, although there's an improvement there. But my third quibble is, so Mac has been an 85-watt charger forever for the MacBook Pro, the 15-inch. It's now a 16-inch monitor, which is a bigger screen. And because it's a bigger screen, it needs more power. That's why the bigger battery. But it's also going to a 96-watt charger. Not the hugest quibble in the world. But, you know, if you're a pro, you probably buy multiple chargers. Like, I will regularly have one that, like, lives in my set bag. Because I can't risk the possibility of I make it to set without my charger or my charger dies. I always have at least two chargers. I sometimes have three. And because of that... The fact that I have to get all new chargers is, you know, it's one of those things that's just a part of doing business as a professional. And I get it. 96 watts is a lot. Uh, they actually, they said at the presentation, they said it was a least rag that in the XDR display, which can charge this laptop, the XDR's Thunderbolt power output is 96 watts. And they said that that was a little Easter egg when they revealed the XDR monitor back in June. We shall know a more powerful laptop is coming because why would they make the XDR put out 96 watts if they weren't planning on giving us something that required the 96 watts? So I thought that was an, you know, Apple doesn't drop a lot of hints. I didn't see anybody picking up on that hint. I certainly didn't pick up on that hint, but it was sort of an interesting uh, thing of Apple to sort of hint that that was coming. More powerful charger, a lot of power in the system. And then the big specs here, there's an eight terabyte internal SSD option. Nobody I know is going to buy this. I personally still really stick with like one terabyte is plenty of internal laptop space, but... Filmmakers are interesting in that we're very used to external hard drives. External hard drives are sort of very much part and parcel of our workflow, and we tend to work with a lot of like, all right, you give me a hard drive, I work on stuff, I give it back. The 8 terabyte, the pitch they were making this morning, and I actually think it might be true, is that it'll be really interesting to musicians who want to keep a library of samples and a library of uh, digital instruments, and they want to be able to keep them all internal, living in their laptop. And it might be four or five terabytes of samples and instruments that they want to have with them at all times. They're used to carrying an external. Now it can live on the internal SSD. And honestly, I know some VFX folks who like to keep like sky plates and bullet hits and stuff always hot. And that could be a couple terabytes of stuff. As a, as a freelance filmmaker sort of generalist, I don't really keep anything. I don't think I'm going to splurge for the eight terabyte internal upgrade because it gets really expensive. Uh, I think one terabyte, one terabyte is plenty for my life because I always have my projects on externals. You could maybe talk yourself into two terabytes. It's impressive enough. They have eight terabytes, but the real impressive thing here, if you go for the better, the eight core processor, it's the same price as the old 15 inch, twenty seven ninety nine, which is a great deal. 200 bucks. You can upgrade to uh, the eight core. And then for a hundred bucks, you can upgrade to eight gigabytes of VRAM. And honestly, no brainer, get the eight gigabytes of VRAM. If you are a filmmaker, you always want the most graphics power you can get. And I think it is 
absolutely a no-brainer to upgrade the graphics card in this thing. Another big part of the presentation this morning, for those of you who are computer people and are hearing things like 8 gigabytes of VRAM, was they've really worked on the thermals. So, you know, MacBook Pros get hot. I know a lot of people who keep them on a little cooling pad that has a little fans. I've definitely worked on jobs where we, like, you know, put it up on top of stuff so air could circulate around it more. Uh, and they really worked very hard on the thermals here because they know that they're packing a whole lot of, you know, there's an 8-core processor in this thing. There's an 8-core processor. 8 gigabytes of video RAM and the option. Now it's 800 bucks. I don't know if it's worth it for $400. You can upgrade to 32 gigabytes of RAM, which is probably the sweet spot, but you know, $800, you can have 64 gigabytes of internal RAM. I was kind of impressed that it was so little. Apple usually is a little pricey in RAM and it's tricky because with a desktop, you always can replace the RAM later. So you almost, you go to other world computing or something and buy extra RAM. But you don't necessarily do that with a laptop. You can't really open it up and re-solder. If you can, you should probably get the 64 gigabytes of RAM. Because here's the thing. Once it's there in the laptops, uh, Resolve's going to use it. Photoshop's going to use it. Uh, Final Cut Pro's going to use it. And there were some really impressive demos this morning of Resolve running 4K footage that was ProRes 444 in real time. They let me play around. They had, like they were very nice to the press this morning. And they had little demo units. And I immediately popped open the 4K timeline. And I put on a noise correction node. And I was getting 68 second frames per second playback. And I was like, for 4K, ProRes 444 to be playing back with noise correction on it at 5 or 6 frames per second was totally satisfactory to me. You're going to get much better performance out of a tower. But on a laptop, 4K Quattro, totally really impressive power. I was very satisfied with the whole process of playing with the laptop. And I think if you're a Final Cut user, Premiere user, Media Composer user, if you're an editor of any sort, you're going to be satisfied. Again, the big quibbles, and I, we just have to accept this. No more SD card slots, which is okay. SD card readers are cheap. I have one in every book bag. I just really liked an SD card reader. Touch bar is still there, but they've added an escape button. And they've added the escape button because developers demanded it. And in the presentation, they said developers are our biggest pro users. And it's true. There's way more developers than there are filmmakers. And um, the developers really wanted that physical escape button, and they got it. But the interesting thing, and we're going to use this to pivot us to gear cage. Let's start talking gear cage, physical package of this thing. I was never a touch bar fan before. In my year of owning the 2018, before I sold it in August... I got used to the touch bar. I never used it for anything, but I didn't mind it. I didn't like it. I didn't hate it. I really hated it in 2016. I was very reluctant to use it. Having a separate escape button, having a separate T2 button are good. But the bigger thing is they actually moved it further from the keyboard. It is a little further from the keyboard. And I think the touchpad is a little further from the space bar. And I actually found way fewer accidental touches. I did a little typing test. I spent some time typing. I didn't, wasn't able to do a full workflow test, but they did say that they moved it a little further from the keys. And I think you're going to get a lot fewer accidental touches of the touch bar, which is really annoying when you accidentally do that. So I think that's going to be a really nice improvement. Yeah. So the keyboard is the big question everybody has. The 2016 keyboard was so loud and so uncomfortable and so garbage. The 2018 keyboard was better, but then had that weird repeat key button thing, which also happened to me. You'd press E once and it would type E twice. And that was really frustrating. You had to like install a special program to deal with it. I, I typed as much in, on the laptop this morning as I possibly could. And I enjoyed the key feel. It felt like a, it felt quiet. It was way quieter than the 2016. Uh, no longevity tests. I didn't get to spend a lot of time on it, but I was like, oh, here we go. We're back in the sweet spot. So in general, my feeling, my initial responses to the 16 inch MacBook Pro I do feel like Apple is taking pros seriously again. 
obviously the Mac Pro really says that. I know way more people doing work on 15-inch MacBook Pros than Mac Pros. I know I know a lot of people who bought the 2013 Mac Pro Tower, but the 15-inch MacBook Pro right now is so dominant in our space. And uh, it, it is really nice to see this laptop roll out with a bunch of the spec improvements we're really looking for in order to make it a very real, usable platform. The screen is obviously the big deal. Much bigger uh, resolution, 3,000 pixels across by 1920 tall, which is going to be really good. You can watch 1920 by 1080 footage native and still have room for palette on either side of it. 4K footage is going to be able to scale down accurately. So the retina display is going to be a really big thing. The color accuracy of the screen is not an obsession for me because I feel like filmmakers really always need to look at an external monitor. Although the XDR might be that external monitor. We'll see once it comes out. But we got to talk a little bit about sound. First off, it's a six-speaker setup. And they did this big thing where they paired the woofers together. So because, you know, the sound from a woofer is often what shakes a laptop. And they paired them together so that they're putting out the bass sound at against each other at the same time. So they vibrate less because they're not pushing, you know, as, as sound gets pushed out, it's getting pushed out the other direction too. So it's like a rocket ship in space that's putting, it's firing its rockets both ways. So it stays in place. And I have to say, usually I don't care how a laptop sounds because, you know, I'm always like, well, you should have your headphones, your MDR 7502s listening to accurate response. A lot of people listen to sound on laptops. I've watched many movies with my wife on a laptop. They played a demo of Mad Max in Dolby Atmos on the laptop because it's a six-speaker, I believe, six-channel. I believe it's not just six speakers, but it's six discrete channels. It might just be a stereo setup, but it's six speakers, and it sounded great. It sounded legitimately great. They did a demo as well where they had, like, two other laptops and their laptop, and they would play the same sound on each, and you could walk between them. That was great, although, obviously, most laptops have totally shitty audio, so I don't know how fair it is to compare it to them, but it was legitimately impressive how nice the laptop sounded. I don't know if that's particularly filmmaker-relevant, but I will say that there was a really interesting feature that I do think is filmmaker-relevant, which is they put, like, a really nice microphone in it, and they did a little, you know, a little test where they had it, like, set up where they played it, you know, through a normal laptop microphone. Then they played something recorded through the Blue Yeti, which is Blue Yeti right there. And they played something recorded through their microphone on their thing. The microphone in their laptop sounded as good and maybe slightly, slightly better than the Blue Yeti, which is nuts. And the reason that it's nuts is because you don't really think of recording to, you know, like I'm never going to shoot a movie on the camera on my laptop, but... Almost every filmmaker I own owns a Blue Yeti or something similar for those occasional times where you're like, oh, I got asked a guest on a podcast, even if you don't do one regularly, or I need to do scratch audio for voiceover, or I need to do final audio for voiceover. And again, like the dominant thing in sound recording is always going to be the space. Like I have a four by floppy above my head because this room is really tall and that would reverberate. And, you know, you're always hearing podcasters talk about like I was on the road, so I built a little blanket fort in my hotel room in order to record but this microphone might is is designed such that it should be legitimately good enough that if you build a blanket fort on the road you can record a podcast straight into the laptop microphone obviously this was a tech demo i didn't get to record things my own i didn't get to wander around but it was an impressively nice sounding microphone to build into a laptop like i i love that they did it i will probably end up using it I might even end up recording an episode of the podcast on the road with it to see how it goes. But yeah, nice. Awesome. 
I wonder if musicians will end up using it to like preview or scratch track stuff. You have an idea, you can scratch track it really quickly and it's going to sound better because it's a higher quality microphone with a very low noise floor and a very high signal to noise ratio and very little processing. And that's the thing is a lot of the microphones in these laptops are heavily processed to try and get rid of noise. But you know, when you're doing that processing, like everything starts to sound clipped and you lose reverberance and you lose all things like that. And so they built a really nice microphone into the body of the laptop, which is cool. I want to talk to some musicians and see what they think. As a filmmaker, I can totally imagine a lot of scenarios where you're like editing a documentary and you're like, oh, let's change that line of voice over there. And you just record it immediately, drop it in, and it actually sounds kind of nice. You probably won't do your final VO in this thing, but I bet a lot of people will do final VO in this thing. Eh, We're in an interesting space. They also had a bunch of demos of Sidecar up this morning. I don't own an iPad Pro. I don't know how it is really going to end up working in our workflows, but you know. Sidecar is what lets you have an iPad Pro hooked up to your MacBook Pro and use it to extend the desktop. So, you know, they had one nice demo where it was like, all right, I've set up my uh, iPad as a client monitor, or I've set it up as like where I can browse my media in Final Cut. And I'm sure you can do the same in Resolve and Premiere and Media Composer and all of the same. And then the pen interface can work as a mouse interface. So you can use it for setting in and out points in your media and stuff like that. But there was a very interesting part of the presentation this morning. And look, maybe it's just something I missed before. But one thing they talked about was that that Resolve is enabling a full screen desktop playback. Now, you've always been able to do full screen desktop playback, but you've never been able to dedicate a monitor to it, right? Like if I have two monitors set up for UI and I go command F to full screen, it takes over one of the UI monitors. But There's never been a mode in Resolve where I can have my UI, my user interface up, and I can full screen my image on a monitor. And the reason why Resolve does that is Resolve is very smart. And Resolve knows as soon as I have that full screen image, the client or the colorist is going to look at that and think it's accurate. And we all know if it's running through the OS, it's never accurate. You get your accurate image by running out to an SDI cable or HDMI, but running video signal out to a broadcast monitor. That's how you see your image. With the new XDR monitor, and I wasn't able to confirm if it will work with other monitors or not, but Apple said because of the new XDR monitor, Apple is now enabling a mode where you can have your UI up and you can full screen your image on the XDR monitor without using a Blackmagic converter, like over Thunderbolt. And I have to say it looked really good. And they had another monitor set up, SDI, to Thunderbolt converter, we might be in a place maybe where we're going to see color accurate images on a monitor. I don't know. I was talking to an Apple rep about it. We're going to try and do some tests or a story about it in December. It's a $6,000 monitor. It should be color accurate. Oh, and then final part of gear cage. I I got to see in person because I didn't go to WWDC, the uh, micro textured matte finish. Holy shit. Is that worth a thousand dollars? If you're thinking about spending the money for that monitor, buy the matte finish. Oh my God. It looked really good. I was very happy with the way the matte finished looked. I want it on the laptop. We're not going to get it on the laptop, but I want it on the laptop. All right, so this leads me to my question. Lillian Zhao emailed me already to be like, which one should I get for color grading? So here's my recommendation. Here's what I'm probably going to buy myself. SSD doesn't matter in size. I'll probably go one terabyte unless the two terabyte is really cheap. I don't remember how much it is, but I'm not going to spend a lot of money to get to two or four. And I'm certainly not going to get the eight. I don't have big libraries. I need to keep internal. It's the only reason I would do that. Eight gigabyte of video RAM. I think it's like $200. Do that. At least 32 gigabytes of RAM. 
if you can squeeze it, 64 gigabytes of RAM. Because remember, you can never upgrade the RAM later. And that's what I would do. That would be the setup. And I think you're going to have a really comfortable time doing a lot of color grading. I mean, 1080 projects are going to scream. But like I said, I was working on a 4K ProRes 444 project this morning on the laptop and it was giving me real-time playback and it was it felt comfortable it felt like yeah i could work like this to be honest i'm still gonna end up being one of those old school people who like even if i shoot 8k i'm still gonna transcode everything to 1080 for the edit just because i like i don't know i'm used to it and then renders are even faster when i'm making vimeo previews or frame io previews or whatever i'm just like that i'm still in that space i realize that uh, the tech companies are trying to get us to like shoot 8K, edit 8K, finish 8K, never think about it. But I don't know. I guess I've been burned too many times in the past, so I still tend to fin. I still tend to work at a lower. I mean, 1080 is just such a great resolution, and it's supported by so many things. And then I would reconnect back to my 4Ks or my 8Ks at the end. But honestly, I might reconnect to my 4Ks on this laptop, which is impressive. So yeah, I mean, there is no perfect laptop. I would pay an extra hundred dollars for function keys and an extra hundred dollars for an internal SD card reader. Those are the two things that I still, but I've gotten over. I've accepted. This is gonna really impressively. I was very impressed with the presentation this morning and I really felt like Apple very much wants to be a professional tool and realistically is go to a film set. There's dozens of the 15 inches. And I think go to a film set summer 2020 and you'll see quite a few 16 inches. So I hope that is a good answer for Hey Professor. We'll be back with a normal episode that is not all Apple news next week. <laughs>